1: Well, welcome back. And has the weather been good lately, or or what? That is just mind-boggling. It's one of the reasons I uh, I love Ohio. It's uh it's the fall. That's actually why I like Ohio. It's it's literally the fall, and sp- spring is second. Falls and springs, uh, extreme temperatures. I'm not really fond of, which is uh, when you're talking about climate change. You know, it gets colder in the winter. And then it gets hotter in the summer, or maybe I'm just getting old. <laughs> that that could be it. Anyway, again, if, if oh, by the way, today we're going to be talking a little bit about the economy. You know, we have been talking about what are the drivers. It, it's unbelievable what's happening right now behind the scenes. If you look for the good news out there instead of you know, ruminating over all the crap that the uh, general media puts out there, that's all negative. Um, there's a there are tons of really good things going on economy stronger and I don't know if you remember but back when the pandemic first started if you go back and listen to any of my shows over that time period by the way you can pick them up on iTunes the uh, you would have heard me say you know the result of this is going to be economic expansion that's what I said at the beginning and and, you know there's nothing that's not magic Um, in fact I I shouldn't even take that tone because any idiot could make that observation Seriously, yeah, you've got a, a, a pandemic. You're going to have to have economies all around the world okay, spending more money. And you know what they do when they spend all that money? They print some more. So it leads to growth economically. Is it good growth? You know, You won't know that until it's too late to do much about it anyway, and then they'll make corrections in the money supply and interest rates and fix it sooner or later. But the bottom line is, um, most people don't want to move too much unless they're forced to move once they're forced to move then they'll get at, get at it and a lot of people will recognize the opportunities and the economy grows how cool is that that's just actually it's always been that way and uh, sometimes you get you have growth rates that are faster than others sometimes they're slower than others when they're growing faster than normal that's called an expansion when it's slower than normal that's a recession Those are normal, too. And uh, all that time, I thought I was wasting my time in those econ classes in college. (laughs) Actually, I know I've told everybody that's listening, uh, that's ever been listening, that's probably so tired of hearing me say this, but I just went to school so that I could uh, get a degree because I wanted to fly jets in the military. And, you know, I got an aviation slot in the Marine Corps. I got an And I actually transferred school so that I could try to take flight classes. And then I found out when I got there how expensive they were and that the... The coach that promised to pay for those classes got fired and the new coach said, I can't pay for that. What are, you, are you kidding? <laughs> so I was stuck. And uh anyway, I, I still got in, got an aviator slot, and three days before I had to, to ship out to Quantico to Officer Candidate School, three days. My appendix nearly erupt uh yeah, nearly exploded and I had to have it taken out. So I show up in Quantico. I've still got the stitches in my abdomen. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to pass the physical. The really interesting part about that was I got all the way to the last station in the line of the physical, and I was thinking that they were going to pass me because everybody said, okay, uh, uh, you're good, you're good, you're good. The the last station I was at, there was a uh, master sergeant there looking over the paperwork. <clears throat> he looks at me and he goes, did you just have your appendix taken out? And I go, well, yeah, but they said it was okay. <laughs> he goes, no, you you cannot go through basic training because officers have to go through that first, and then they go to Officer candidate School. But anyway, so they kicked me out. <laughs> I was an eight-day Marine, um, but I got busted because I had my appendix removed, and they were uh not going to take me. And then to go back through that entire process would have taken me close to two years. And I was young and impetuous and uh, impatient. And I said, yeah, I'm not going to do that again. And there was no guarantee that I would ever get back into that program. Anyway. So long story short, when you're in the military, you are just a number, but found that out pretty quickly. And I'm sure all you guys that have a real experience in the military understand exactly what I'm talking about. But, um, one of the reasons i like to hang out with the cleveland greys a bunch of former military guys down there the uh boy, those guys are uh uh tough people and thank you for your service absolutely you put up with stuff that you know is just unimaginable by the, the vast majority of the, uh, vast majority of us and it's why we're still free the uh anyway digress a little bit but and, and my point to a lot of this stuff by the way is that ex- expansion in military might uh, electricity growth. This is all what's, what's causing the growth in the economy. The pandemic actually sped up an awful lot of processes. It put them on the front burner and countries around the world have been putting money to work to try to handle that. And the net result is that a lot of other industries have improved. People have been working harder than they've ever worked. Uh, To improve the distribution for these products, and as a result, distribution for all products benefits. So it's pretty incredible. I'm really excited about what I see in the big picture. The big picture is that a lot of infrastructure, a lot of it has to do with the the grid. So a lot of it's electricity, but it's other infrastructure as well that we're going to have done, redone in this country that needs to be done. It's They've been talking about it for a couple decades now, and uh, they need to get to it, and that will cause economic growth. It's also going to cause some inflation, so you're going to have to have some money invested in stocks if you hope to keep up with inflation because fixed income right now is not fixed income is not keeping up with inflation. In fact, if you put putting your money in a CD, it's uh, by the time you factor in taxes and inflation, your return is negative. So there's a negative real return on that. Now I want to tell you that may not be that bad in some cases. When you have money market accounts or short term bond funds getting a a slightly break even or a negative return may not be that bad because it's probably not going to drop by 50% or more the way the stock market does when everybody panics. Okay, So it still has a place in your portfolio. It just probably shouldn't be a huge place there are other things that you can do and if you've been listening over the past few months you know that i'll spend a certain amount of time on the next segment coming up talking about some of the options in the fixed income area those areas that you're looking for more safety and more guarantees and uh we've been talking a lot about various annuity products that are out there that are relatively new to the scene uh, when I say relatively new, it's within the last few years. They've they've improved quite a bit, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. And then uh, the the third portion of today's show, we're just going to talk about individual stocks. I I get a lot of people who tune in, and I used to uh, commit a, a much larger portion of each show to talking about individual stocks. So I thought I would do that again, and that'll be the last portion of the. So we have three segments in the show. So between the the first and the second commercial breaks. You know, we'll talk about the economy, the market in general, and then we'll talk about what to do with the fixed income, the bond portion of your portfolio the second part. And then the third part, I'll talk about individual stocks and and cuz they're it, it is fun and I I feel like anybody could do individual stocks could invest in them successfully. Uh it's not easy. And it's one of the more challenging things you'll actually ever do uh psychologically. And if you've ever, if you have more than 10 years of experience doing it, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, If you don't, then call me when you got 10 years. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I can speed up the the process of getting up to speed um, very quickly. So that's basically kind of how that works. And uh, let's see, where I was at. Oh, yeah, I was talking about the uh, economy overall and. You look at the unemployment. Oh, by the way, the numbers that you're seeing today, the unemployment numbers, uh, even GDP growth, it, it's actually being skewed because it's it's been artificially manipulated by both the pandemic and the government's response to the pandemic. So you've got negatives going in either way. In other words, I don't think you will gain a lot of clarity by studying the current data It's fine to watch, but you have to take it with a grain of salt because you don't know whether it's being impacted overly negatively or overly positively because of the special situations that we're in right now. And I'd give it about another uh, probably 12 to 18 months if you wanted to compare normal to normal. And there's nothing that says that you can't have another abnormal event that occurs between now and then. So we just have to keep posted. Uh, right now, the the areas that that represent more value for people, I think small mid cap uh, growth stocks, yeah, you know, value stocks haven't done well over the past four or five years. They may come back at some point in time. They probably will. They'll have a, a one or two year period where they shoot up and catch up with the rest of them. So if you're in those value oriented portfolios, don't worry about it. Yeah, don't. All other things being equal. I believe they'll catch up at some point in time. In fact, the focus may shift more heavily on those types of stocks because they are so much more undervalued than your large growth stocks are or your small growth stocks or your mid-cap growth stocks. If you want a couple of industries to concentrate on, at Bullington Capital, we are overweighting for people who want to be a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more proactive. We're overweighting the healthcare and semiconductor industries in our models. In fact, we call our uh, models the HSDOL. That's healthcare semiconductors and Department of Labor rules that required us to put these (laughs) portfolios together. They literally came out a few years ago, and we're trying to tell you how you're going to invest money for your clients. Can you believe it? That's overstepping, by the way. Um, This is America, the land of the free not the land of the free-to-follow-all-the-instructions we give you on everything you need to do to run your life. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah. And I, and I understand. And they're they're trying to help, and there are a lot of people that, that you know, don't have your best interests at heart. Um, they're not fiduciaries, by the way, and they didn't set up their businesses so that you do better when they do better and you do worse when they're doing worse. Because if they did, okay, that would eliminate... The conflicts of interest, basically. Well, it wouldn't eliminate it, but it would do. It would go a long way to reducing conflicts of interest if you were required to try to do the right things. And why would you be required to do the right things? Well, see, because when you operate on a percentage of assets under your management, when the assets grow, you get a raise. When the assets go down, you get a pay cut. How's that for aligning your goals with your advisor's goals or your advisor inviting their goals with your goals? You do better, I do better. You do worse, I do worse. By the way, when the market is going down and my income is going down, my landlord does not reduce my rent. (laughs) And all these other services I pay for and have to pay for and I'm obligated to pay for, they don't give me a break either. I got to pay them no matter what is going on in the market. So I understand. I feel your pain. I probably feel your pain four or five times more than you. I'm just used to it. And uh, that's a large part of being a successful investor is getting used to being uncomfortable. It's it's not comfortable when you own stocks that are fluctuating a lot. It's really not that comfortable unless you've been doing it a very long time and you've done a fairly decent job of planning so that you can afford to wait it out without spending down your principal. And that's a big risk. That's where the fixed income comes into play. You know, when the economy starts going into that recessionary um, development, which happens every so often, when a recession comes on, whether it's brought on by a pandemic or just a business cycle, banks get too uh, happy making loans and making lots of money, and they make start getting sloppy and making loans they probably shouldn't make, and then those loans can't afford to be paid back, and then, you know, you have a 2008-2009 2000, uh, on your hands. That's what happens. So... Uh, whether the recession comes from something on the outside like a pandemic or it comes from the inside, which is typical. Typically what happens is they get overly happy and overly aggressive making loans. They probably shouldn't make. And when some of those loans go bad, they have to cut back on making new loans, which causes that big, great, great, big screeching sound. You can hear in the economy or of the stock market crashing. That, that screeching sound is actually the sound coming from the investors. The, uh, I'm just kidding. I've never heard that scree- screeching sound except on my phone. <laughs> I was on the phone from uh, people's calls. People who weren't warned that markets can vol- uh, can be really volatile, extremely volatile. So you've got to be prepared for that. Y- you can't avoid that. And that's the thing that I most rookie investors, the people that you know, before they're under the age of 50, before they have much experience in, in stock markets, they believe somehow that you can see the future and you can react, you know, before things happen or as they happen. And you can recognize that this is gonna keep dropping. Well, that that's just not true. And I hate to have to break it to you. It's just not true. And the reason that it takes people into their fifties to come around to that realization is because when they're young, they just don't believe it. When, if you go Google Reddit and, and stock talk, R E D D I T and just talking about stocks. So you get these young people. They don't talk about the company's sales. They don't talk about the company's profits, whether or not they even have profits or profit margins. They talk about everything else except that, by the way, those are the most important things. Company doesn't have sales. It's not a company. It's not a business. It's a business plan. We all know how planning goes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But, uh, a business has got to have sales to be a real business. Now I hear the music, that means i am got to take a real quick commercial break. Hey, you're, hearing, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'll be back right after these messages. I know
0: that I need to listen <laughs> to all of the thunder you whisper Even in doubt you are with me With me Like a love song that I've always known Your word hits me deep inside my soul When you speak
1: And we're back. Hey, you to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can go to my website, bullingtoncapital.com if you have a question. Uh, if you hear something you'd like some more information on. I, I'm really sorry. I, I apologize. The first portion of today's show, I, I didn't get to the information that I pulled up from the Energy Information Agency. It, that's a really good free resource that's available on the internet. Uh, the They publish a lot of statistics. I was just looking at the use of electricity And the growth rate in electricity, that is fascinating. You know, we're going to have to pull out all the stops. I don't don't care what side of the uh, uh, political persuasion you adhere to, but the bottom line is the the demand for electricity is growing faster than the population is. Think about that for a second. The Demand for electricity is growing faster than the population is. You know what kind of an economic economic opportunity? <laughs> I can't even speak sometimes. The uh, that is it's mind-boggling the size and the scope of that. On top of all the other technologies that are coming out, and uh, just it's just mind-boggling. By the way, I did get a look at one of the Mustangs. I think I, I talked about 2018 it was supposed to come out in 2020. And now it's coming out in 2021. It's a uh, uh, that you can thank the pandemic for that. And the demand for semiconductors, which incidentally probably would have exploded close to the point that it is now anyway, despite the pandemic, because they're using them in so many more items. I mean, they're in, in kids' plush, you know, sleeping toys for Pete's sake. Yeah, they're all over the place. And uh, that's one of the uh, mon- one of the reasons we put that in our models for our stocks. I have a, a model. It's called the semiconductor model. It's just four ETFs that excluse, uh, that invest exclusively in semiconductors. And why four? Well, actually, there are, you could put five. One of them hasn't been around that long and it doesn't have a whole lot of assets in it. And I was afraid they were going to close it down. So I'm, I'm basically using four or five, depending on who you are uh, and whether or not I think you can uh, withstand the extra volatility of a uh, smaller fund that uh, it's going to fluctuate a little bit more. So anyway, the the Sector, I think, is is a great sector. It's not overpriced yet. It's a little on the high side, but it's still selling. The valuation on those, the vast majority of those stocks, are literally about a third of what they were in the late nineties when everybody was going crazy over you know PCs, computers, and the internet. And uh, when I say late nineties, now that is hilarious. I know there are a lot of people, a lot of kids out there that just graduated college that weren't even born. <laughs> that, that blows my mind is, that i actually let uh, live this long <laughs> but uh bottom line is that that's a very good very strong industry ask anybody that works in or around it or is affected by it it's a big deal and the uh, reason i brought this up i see one of the new mustangs i think you could call it the maki or something like that and it's on display and uh sharp looking car super sharp looking car and a little disappointed cuz it's too small for me. I mean uh I can't sit up straight in it. And that's a, uh that's a problem when you have a bad lower back cuz I have to sit up straight in the car. So uh I won't be getting one. Uh yeah, cuz I don't want to be crippled. But if I uh didn't have that problem, you can bet. And it it's a really nice-looking car. I don't even know how much they cost. But uh I didn't want to tempt myself. Um I think it was around 70,000 when I uh saw that but uh anyway it's they're coming you're gonna have a whole bunch of other stuff what what really cracks me up about this whole thing uh is that they they go down one path the industries will go down one path and then suddenly they'll change direction you know first of all it's going to be completely battery driven and I actually was first of all were the hybrids you know you got part electric part gas and then you've got these fuel cells that are similar but they run on hydrogen that seemed to be getting some traction about 10 years ago and then suddenly you didn't hear anything about it anymore and all you've heard about are are the electric cars and that's fine uh i'm not really uh i really don't have a, a preference what i'd really like is you know keep the cost as low as possible and have a durable reliable form of transportation that doesn't pollute the atmosphere. And wow, we were really made some progress there. So anyway, that's going to keep the economy going for quite a while. All that stuff that I just talked about, I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk about why that probably won't cause interest rates to go up anytime real soon. And the reason is a lot of this stuff has been paid for by some government spending, and they've acquired a lot of debt, especially in the last couple of years. You know, thank goodness they're they're there because the opposite. You know, if you didn't produce any money and didn't put in the in the economy, then you have a depression like the one we had in the 1930s, where people were building little huts in uh, um, national parks all over the place because they were getting kicked out of their houses. Uh, wouldn't want to see that happen. So. This is actually not, it's not an optimal uh, economy, but they're taking good steps, and I think it's working very well. Is it going to be perfect? No, it's never going to be perfect, and it's never been perfect. Is it going to be pretty good? Yep, it's pretty good. You look at how the the lifestyle that the vast majority of people in this country have. The the poor people in this country today live the lives that the rich people back in the early part of the, the 1900s, only could dream about they didn't have air conditioning, they didn't have refrigeration that you didn't have to get the ice man to drop off a block of ice for I know a lot of younger people go, "What are you talking about? They've never even seen pictures of that, <laughs> but that's okay. just just suffice to say they didn't have nearly as much stuff as we do. They, they couldn't entertain themselves with their cell phones because nobody had a cell phone. they didn't even know what a cell phone was. Some people had car phones or portable phones. But they were huge, weighed like 25 pounds. (laughs) And you had to bring these big batteries and the batteries had to be charging. It took, you know, over a couple of days. Anyway, we've come so far and I just can't imagine things slowing down tremendously at this point. Actually, they're speeding up. So and that's good for an economy. It's a uh, really good for financial markets. What it's really bad for are bond markets and fixed income markets. Because a lot of this stuff has been pre-funded. They've they've issued debt to pay for all these things. And now they they really can't afford to raise interest rates much on all that debt. A CD, by the way, is a form of debt. A a bank owes that money um, to you. When you lend them the money, you buy the CD. They're turning around and lending that money out to someone else. But they owe you now. So that's a form of debt for the banks. And they can't afford to pay a tremendous amount of interest on CDs when they're not charging a lot of interest on the money that they're lending. Interest rates are very low on houses. I don't think they've ever actually been this low. Um, and it's going to waver around. I know somebody's going to go up and say, well, it was you know two-tenths of a percent. Okay, we're in the ballpark. That's all i got to say. I had n- never dreamed that interest rates on mortgages would be as low as they are. Never. I've seen them as high as 22%. That was only about 17 when that happened. But 22% interest on a mortgage. Can you imagine that? And they did that on purpose, by the way. So uh, because the economy was overheating, there was a bunch of stuff going on, and they were trying to literally force a recession so that they could get control of the inflation rate, which was double digits way back then. The inflation rate today is nowhere near as high as it was then, but there's there's still some inflation. And the uh, so the banks are probably not going to be raising interest rates a lot anytime real soon. Neither will the government. So that presents a problem. Why? Because about half of all the money invested in investment accounts typically goes into bond funds or s- funds that are holding things like CDs and government bonds, corporate bonds. Uh, and there are all kinds of things coming out now so what, what can you do about these low interest rates one of the things you can do is you can look at guaranteed rates that they're putting on to annuities okay. they have guaranteed minimums that they're going to pay out that's something worth exploring today I, I had a client a, a couple months ago ask me did you, did you think that you would ever be talking about this as much as you do now and my answer was no and to which he laughed Right in my right in my ear, <laughs> so we were on the phone. I was going to say right in my face, but we were actually on the phone. But he laughed about it, and I laughed about it. I had no idea that it would become such an important part of so many people's lives, even my own. Yeah, I have significant investments in those now, and I did not have them two years ago. So it's relatively recent, and it's really I, I like it. I understand them. I, I used to use them a long time ago. Back in the 80s when I first got licensed, the rates on them were huge. I mean, you could get you know, two, 2% more than you could get on a CD. It was tax-deferred, and it was guaranteed by the underlying insurance company. And, uh, again, you know, 2% interest rates with tax deferral, 2% higher. So CD rates were somewhere around 10%. You could get a 12% uh, guaranteed interest rate on an annuity. Can you believe that? That that's mind-boggling, and I remember when they went down to ten percent. You'd have thought people were, you know, had uh, kidnapped their kids the way that their tones of voice were. I can't believe it's only ten percent, <laughs> only ten percent. Okay, so now here we are with short-term interest rates down around one percent. So the annuities are still getting. You can add riders that will provide guarantees. Uh, some of the higher quality companies some of the lower guaranteed for income 3.75 that's for a couple an individual before uh, and they can go as high as you know seven percent on the payout depending on how old you are someone go a little bit higher than that so it really depends upon what type of product you're looking at and how old you are Um, those are the two main determining factors and do you want to uh have a beneficiary on there or a, a joint annuitant if you're married. So these are all things that you have to kind of talk to somebody about and I'm just going to pull up I, one of the ones that I I like a lot because I think it's it's very flexible is a uh and comes from Nationwide and if you want more information on that I would be glad to send you out a link to the website and you can play around with it uh, for as much as you like. And I actually, when you go to there, it shows a 55-year-old, and I think it's going to start taking money seven years from now. I I think that, hang on a second, let me refresh that database. Yeah, 55 to 7. Why are they doing 55 and 7? Well, because at 62, you can take Social Security early. You can change this and play around with it on the website. But if you're going to take Social Security early, you're 55 now, and seven years from now, you're going to take it at 62, the first time you're, you're eligible to take it if you're not disabled and uh the amount of income off of a hundred thousand dollars that you could get seven years from now when you're sixty two would be seven thousand seven hundred thirty seven bucks okay as a percentage of what you just invested that's seven point seven percent now you're waiting that's not a seven point seven percent return that's that's the payout that you would get in income if you waited and started taking it. Uh, when you're eligible for Social Security under the current rules, that's pretty good. If you put 100,000 bucks in a CD at 1% over seven years, you've got roughly 7,000 bucks at 107,000, and 1% of that is a 1070. So this is why this is such a big deal. Because you're getting $1,070 seven years from now and a $100,000 CD. Okay, or you could get income of, of 7737 I don't know. Do you think that's significant? I think it's significant. And if you're older, it's, it, it even gets better. Let's, let's say that person waited until they were 65. Now that $100,000 investment that they made 10 years ago is going to pay them $9,800 a year. And the company will actually put that in writing for you. So, again, if you want to see this website, this is what I would do. Email me, uh, go to my website, it's bullingtoncapital.com, reach out on the contact us form there, and uh, I will email you the link back, and you can kind of play with this yourself. So it's it's a really good tool to be using, particularly today. I'd gone for years, not talked about these things. And the reason being is that you know 10 years ago you could get CDs that were paying a pretty decent rate of return at least 3 or 4% and you go back to 15 years ago when uh, actually 16 years ago when i first left the brokerage community to to become independent um i think CDs were paying around 6% 5 or 6% somewhere in that range man if you could if, if you could offer a 5 or 6% cd today holy cow that 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 big rumbling sound, or the people running all over the country to their local bank <laughs> to get to get a CD, uh, those days are probably not coming back anytime real soon. Our debt level is way higher than it was then, and every time they raise interest rates, that means the government's got to pay more interest, which means they can't spend as much money on all of these other projects, which might make people a little bit upset. Okay, so the likelihood of that happening is pretty remote. So, and again, uh, if you, if you'd like to see what that is, and this is just one company, uh, actually deal with several companies, but I happen to like this, this particular product the best. Uh, but it really depends on, on your situation. If you're a, a single person and you're in your seventies and you just want to get a, a a portion of your money guaranteed income, you can get a life only option on there. Your payout is going to be higher because Once you pass away, uh, the insurance company keeps whatever's left. That doesn't happen in in these types of products. The nationwide product actually has a, uh, the benefits will go to your beneficiaries. So, but if you just wanted to maximize your own income, it would be, you'd have the ability to do that. Um, Well, life only. Music just threw me off a little bit. (laughs) I have to take a real quick commercial break. This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. I'll be right back
0: scared to move and walk out of this tomb buried underneath the lies that you believed safe and sound stuck in the ground you lost to be found Thank you, Lord for the small things like me and her on a porch swing for summer nights and fireflies fries and the sound of my old six string. Blessings on blessings on blessings on blessings. If I still got breath in these lungs, then that's all I need to get down on my knees and be thankful for all that he's done for my mama, for my friends,
1: for your love and welcome back. Hey, if you hear anything that you'd like more information on, feel free to go to my website, it's bullingtoncapital.com reach out there for us. Uh, Let me know what you'd like to have more information on and I will either I or my staff will get back to you. Um, I have to tell you a lot of people go and fill that stuff out and then they don't write the question in. I I don't know if it's just not visible uh, to them or if they are forgetting or or what it is, but I mean, I'll always send you an email that says, you know, Hey, we got your contact. Um, If I can help you in any way, just let me know. But uh, it's, a lot more helpful if I know what you would like to have more information on. So, and we just thought I'd throw that out there. And uh, so the last segment of today, I'm going to talk about individual stocks because I know that's what a lot of people like. And I get a lot of uh, uh, emails saying, talk more about it. stocks." So, okay, here, here it goes. Last 15 minutes. Uh there is a current website out there. Bullington capital. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not Bullington. It's a uh, lookoutforthebull.com, and it explains everything I'm about to talk about, and that the explanation portion of it is free. You can go through and read that stuff. Um, the list of stocks that I choose this, my own stocks from is being published on that list every day. Mike Seeger runs that, and uh, I think it's 10 bucks a month or 15 bucks, somewhere around there. But he will run the scans that show you which stocks are coming up that I'm making my personal selections from. And since I'm talking about this, I I do have to tell you that I'm pre-recording this show. Uh, This is Thursday. By the time tomorrow, I might buy this stock. The one I'm going to buy today, I might get stopped out of it tomorrow and probably will just because I'm telling you all about it. (laughs) But the uh, stopped out means you you set a sell point like i would sell it if it dropped 10% below my purchase price just because that's the technique i like to use um i on the lookout for the bull website i typically tell people between 15 and 17% is a, a good trailing stop i don't talk about an a uh, an initial stop loss those are two different things so, I like to use an initial stop loss personally, but if and it doesn't even matter um that's why on the website, I put the 15 to seventeen percent. you could go twenty percent if you want, and that would be good uh, and a trailing stop is a, is a sell order that, that l- like I'll give an example so let's say I had a trailing stop on i'm not sure how to pronounce this Waning that's a uh it's a Chinese utility company. It's traded on the New York Stock Exchange. How do I know that? Because it only has three uh, characters in its symbol. So the Mm -hmm. symbol is HNP. And by the way, that's how you can tell whether or not it's traded on the New York Stock Exchange. The New York Stock Exchange has three characters in their symbols. That means Google and all the others, they're traded on the uh, NASDAQ. Actually, they're traded. There there are tons of other exchanges that have popped up throughout the the years. Uh, So... Anyway, a lot of useless <laughs> information there. But this one came up, and it came up for certain reasons. And I know a lot of people will look at it and go, well, that, that thing's up 8%. It's up 8% as I'm speaking about it. And uh, by the time I buy it, it might even be up more. And if it comes down 10%, I'll, I'll end up selling it at a loss, 10%, hopefully. Hopefully it doesn't gap down because this thing actually gapped up a couple of days ago on, on the, let's see here, what was the date? On the 20th, it closed at $16. It looks like around $0.52. Yep, $16.52. Then the next day, it opened. Let me see if I get it. It's hard to get my mouse over this. It opened at $19.81. It opened 15% higher. Then it climbed up a couple days, came back down to around 19 By the way, that day, it opened around 19 and it closed 1980, almost 20 bucks. And then it closed at 1908. So it opened, it closed that day a lot lower than it opened, which will happen quite a bit. Just actually almost got to 10%. What? It hit you almost. Anyway, today it's at 2105 and it's up 8% so far this morning. Um, that's kind of interesting. Uh, The other thing that's really interesting is that this is a Chinese company that's uh, operating or trading in the United States. The price to sale, why why is that interesting? Well, they have to go through certain criteria to get listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And whether they're telling the truth or not is another story. But at least they're filling out the paperwork correctly (laughs) to get listed. <laughs> on the New York Stock Exchange. And quite frankly, this is not a buy and hold. This is that that strategy, this is not that strategy. That would be a value strategy. This is a growth momentum strategy, mostly momentum. Okay, so what do we what do I mean by momentum? Well, we're looking for price movement. And we're looking for patterns. We're trying to recognize patterns. If the pattern doesn't work out right away, I'm gonna sell it at a probably a 10% loss below my purchase price. And I'm going to move on. I'm just, see ya. So, and I won't put more than 5% of in that particular stock. So if I'm looking at it that way, 10% of 5% is 0.5%. That's, that, that's why I'm so relaxed most of the time is that my theoretical risk anyway is only a half of a percent. But I have 5% of my portfolio in that one stock. If that stock does well, and this is typically what happens, you'll hit a lot of you'll get a lot of small winners, you get a lot of small losers, and occasionally you'll you'll hit a home run. That's basically how it works. Those stocks that go on to make home runs have a tendency to show certain tendencies along the way to make that move and as soon as we're allowed to move by the way um i do there's an investment club, and I know the guys are listening because they listen to my show quite often may actually end up going out and buying this stock because they're familiar with these techniques. And uh I've got we're supposed to be moving my office right across the street to another building. It's a little bit bigger. Uh there's some meeting space over there and hopefully we'll be able to do a couple of investment clubs. This does get pretty addictive and, and you do need to build build up a support staff or not support staff, a support group. Because it just get it can get to you if you're especially if you're out there all alone, if you're trying to do this by yourself and you're not talking to anybody else about it, that's really hard. I mean, super hard. I know a lot of people that do it. Heck, I do it, yeah, but and that's how I know it's not too easy psychologically. This is very challenging. The math and the way that I have it set up to do the scans and the procedures, I've got it so that realistically if you just came in and threw darts like right now there are 29 stocks that are showing up on that scan that hmp is one of them it gapped up today by the way it's closing it, it, if it were to close today and by the way it's, it's still got six more hours yeah it would be closing right near its high and it opened above yesterday's closing price i like that i like stocks that gap up why because history has shown me that a lot of those about half of those stocks that that gap up like that, they they literally leap from one pl- price to another and then start climbing higher. The history is that about half of those stocks will go on to make more money and be p- profitable trades. If I can cut my losses at 10% on the losers and I'm keeping the other half that go on to make profitable trades, guess what? That's how you get ahead. So you need to go back, by the way, and save this segment of this show. What I just told you, I think I paid about $5,000 out of my pocket to learn. <laughs> And it uh, might have been more than that. If you put it in today's dollars, it was a lot more than that because it was the uh mid nineties. So anyway, that, that that's a big deal. The the concepts are not all that complicated. Okay, the uh executing them is can be pretty difficult. Isn't is and was and will be pretty difficult because these things move really fast. That's one of the things I kind of like about today's market. Yeah, it is faster. I mean, it's definitely faster than it used to be. You you actually have to go back to before they had computers and before people even had quotes that they could get within an hour that would give you the share price to see stock prices that would move that quickly. Did you hear what I just said? You know what that means? In the early 1900s, say 1900 through the 1930s, stocks actually moved faster than they do today. <laughs> Think about that for a second. They moved faster back then when nobody had a computer. When you telegraphed your order to New York City to one of the exchanges, you might get an answer to what your fill was within an hour. If you were lucky, if you were a really good customer of that firm, and you were paying 5% commissions, by the way, if you were a really good customer to that firm, you might get an execution and a report back in an hour. Think about that. And the vast majority of people would get their confirmations the next day. So you'd enter an order. You wouldn't even have any idea of what you got what you had paid for the stock. And stocks were actually more volatile then than they are now. And very little information was available on it. But anyway, I digress again. Um just going down the list. This is kind of interesting. This list is going to change by the end of the day, by the way. I'm I'm running this during the day. And this is one that one of my favorite companies in the world is Costco. And it's come up on the list a ton, a ton of times. I, I think they should change their stock symbol because it's C-O-S-T. In other words, cost. I don't know. <laughs> this is my paranoia in. Cost. Who wants to invest in something that's going to cost you money? The uh, Get that out of there. <laughs> change the symbol. should be uh, C-S-T-O. But anyway, nice chart. This thing's been showing up quite a bit. Price to sales ratio is not too bad on it. Uh, It's getting close to its normal high. So I think I would probably pass on that one. I just recognize the company and liked it a lot. There's the, uh, as I'm going down through, I'm not seeing a ton range resources. This is an oil and gas company. Valuation is a little bit high and it's $16 and 28 cents right now as I'm speaking. Well, it gapped up today, not a huge gap. uh, And it's the, the volume's a little bit above where it is normally this time of day, and it, it's right near its high of the day, so we'll see what happens there, um, but they're in the uh, oil and gas sector, and I can't even remember. I, I've looked at the company a million times and still can't remember what they do, but as I'm uh, going down, here's one that I like. <coughs> this, this looks pretty good. The, the chart looks really good on it. Um, it's RVP, retractable technologies, healthcare sector, so medical instruments and supplies. If you know anything about medical instruments and supplies, profit margins on a lot of those companies are pretty healthy. They have pretty healthy profit margins, so that makes me feel good. I look at the price-to-sales ratio, and it's 2.59. Now, I don't like the price-to-earnings ratio. I, I like price-to-sales. We'll, I'll go into that next week. But 2.59 in that industry is not bad at all. Some of them are actually significantly higher than that. When you look at the chart the stock went down from 21 down to nine bucks from, from looks like February to May. Why would it drop that far? Because it, this is a relatively small company. And you know if a big fund decides to lighten up on it, all that selling volume causes the stock to go down quite a bit. So it, it kind of built a base. If you're familiar with that, or familiar with what that is. And now it's breaking out above resistance. If you know what that means, if you don't know what any of this stuff means, Later this fall, when we start having these meetings, we'll we'll talk about that because uh, there, knowing the language can help you a lot, like like a lot a lot. Anyway, this stock is at thirteen eighty one right now as I speak. This, the symbol's RVP on it. Uh, Randall Victor Paul, and it could like again it could stop you out in five or ten minutes. I don't know if that's going to happen, but it's got a really nice looking chart. I like the way that it, it's uh, forming up. And if you ever start looking at charts, you will know exactly what I'm talking about. When you've been doing this for a month or two, it, you'll go, oh, oh, yeah, I see what he's talking about. And uh, so again, pattern recognition, its kind of interesting pattern recognition and money management, risk management, really. That, that's what professional traders do. They're uh, trying to control their risks and they're trying to recognize patterns that they've seen before. There's this other company, and it's, uh, it's a software company. This thing comes up all the time. It's, it's not closing that well, but, uh, and its price-to-sales ratio is fairly high. In fact, the rest of the ones on the list right now, now this list will change <clears throat> by the end of the day, but uh, this list right now has about 29 stocks on it. That's actually a pretty good number for the number of stocks uh, that I'm scanning. Uh, that's pretty healthy, for this time of day, the numbers actually been healthy for a long time. On a daily basis, there've been quite a few stocks coming up on these scans. That's a good sign. That's not a sign of weakness. We are coming. It is the month of September now. And September is typically a worst month. One of the worst months for stocks. So I hear the music. That means I have to shut up and wait till next week to start talking again. (laughs) Yeah. My, uh, uh, co-workers and clients really wish that were true. (laughs) Anyway, you've been listening to Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. Have a good weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing.
0: You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him At 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at bullingtoncapital.com. That's bullingtoncapital.com.
1: The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.